The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. First of all, I want to extend my welcome back to you guys. Welcome back from Belgium. We can't express how proud we are of what you've done. And I know that it was challenging and exciting, but I want to challenge you with something else. In the ways that your faith was ignited and your light is now shining because of this experience, we want you to bring that back to us. There's something about your experience which is going to be, I mean, it's just different than what you experience here. And we need you to bring that back to us. And don't get frustrated when we don't, aren't as passionate as you guys are. We won't be. But it'll be contagious. And you can lead us in ways, small ways, that you don't really know or realize yet. And for the congregation, uh, we have an opportunity to serve here in the next few weeks. The Green Pastures Church of Christ, which is um, uh, on the east side, I think it's on the east side of Oklahoma City, has invited us to join in a project to serve underprivileged children that are going back to school here next month in the, in the month of August. So they've asked if we would partner with them to donate some supplies. Uh, and we said yes. Or at least Kelly and I said yes, and we said yes for you. <laughs> so I'm not really asking you, I'm telling you this is what we're doing. But you're going to get more information uh, here in the next actually next week, but here's the three things that, that we share in this project, our values. We care for children. This is caring for children. Caring for children that might not get the supplies that they're asking us to donate. Two, they're asking us to join with them. They're, it's a call to unity in a world where there's not much unity. And three, they're asking in mid-August, in the days they're asking for us once we collect all the supplies, they want this church and each of the churches that are participating in this project to bring those supplies down on a Sunday evening, and they've asked us to worship with them. And so those are three things that we value, children, unity, and worship. And so we said, yeah, we're in. This seems like something God's doing. So you're going to get more details about that next week. But we want to give you a heads up and begin not asking you, but calling you to join in what God's doing in this small but big way. Let's pray together. Father, as the song says, your ancient words are ever true. They change us. And so today we come with open ears and with open hearts. And we ask that your ancient words impart to us life. And I ask for the gift of preaching. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our text for today is Psalm 139. It's the lectionary text for this Sunday. And as has been our practice during this sermon series on the word of the Lord, when we finish, 
I'm going to say the word of the Lord, and I'm going to invite all of you to respond back, thanks be to God. Psalm 139. You have searched to me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my beds in the depths of Sheol, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting life. The word of the Lord. God... You have searched me. God, you know me. Monima, he knows when you sit down and when you rise. Jason, he perceives your thoughts from afar. Celeste, he knows when you go out and when you lie down. Rick, he's familiar with all your ways. Steve, before a word comes out of your mouth, before a word is on your tongue, he knows it. And John, you travel a lot. Where can you go from his presence? Ezra, Logan, all of you went to Belgium. Where can you flee from his spirit? Kelly, if you go up to heavens, he's there. Jane, if you go down to the place of the dead, if you go to Sheol, he's there. June, if you rise on the wings of dawn, or if LJ, if you go to the far side of the sea, God is there to guide you. This psalm is a deeply personal and poetic expression of the psalmist's relationship to God. 
It's not a picture of a distant God with all kinds of attributes, like he's all-knowing and he's all-present. It's a poetic picture of a God who's close and personal. This is not a picture of a God who's like a big brother or some government agencies that knows all about you, every move you make, and even what you're going to do next. This is not a picture of a God who intrudes on your personal space as I did, as you each awkwardly sat there wondering if I was going to call your name next. But it's as personal as me calling each of your names one by one to say God knows you. It's a picture of an intimate relationship between you and God. He doesn't know things about you. God knows you. It's a kind of relational knowing. It's like siblings, a sibling who knows her sister so well, she can finish her sister's sentences before she speaks them. It's like a best friend who knows what you're going to do before you do it and begins to smile before you even begin to move and act. It's like a parent who knows their child so well they know their child's needs before their child even needs it. Or it's like my wife who after 15 years of marriage knows what I'm going to say before I say it and gives me that evil eye <laughs> which says to me without saying it, you better not say that. LJ, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he has searched you. He knows you. And if you go on to read what we didn't read in verse 12, it says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in a, your book before one of them came to be. And I know how this text is often used, but the point of this text is before you were you, God knew you. And the only response of the psalmist is to say, praise be to the God of the universe. Praise be to you, for you knew me before I was me. God you have searched me, and you know me. God knows you. Like a spouse who knows her husband. Like a parent who knows his child. God knows you.
Yet by the time we come to the end of the psalm, I find something very ironic. Because the psalm begins with, God, you have searched me and you know me. And then it goes on this beautiful, poetic thing that we, that we read all the time. I mean, it's one of the most famous psalms. We know it. And then it ends with this. It begins with, God, you search me, you know me. But then it ends with this. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. And I read that this week as I got to the end of the psalm and I just kind of shook my head. I said, what? What did we just do through the first 20 some odd verses? You just told me how much you know me. And then the psalmist turns around and he says, but God search me and know my heart. I don't want to get whiplash and just say, wait a minute. I thought he knew me. What's going on? I was just struck by the great irony in it. But then I went back. And if you read the text before, the text that's not actually part of our lectionary text, and for good reason, the verses just before our verse 23... Beginning in verse 19, it says, After going through all this praise about God, you know me, how great you are, you know me. And then he says, If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and arbor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but complete hatred for them. I count them my enemies. To be honest, it's one of the most difficult parts of this text. There's this magnificent poetry and praise of God's intimate knowledge... But the part we just read, it never gets read. At least with this psalm. It seems to have no poetry to it. It seems to have no beauty in it. But I think its beauty lies in its honesty about the human condition. We don't like reading this part of the text because it perhaps makes us uncomfortable. Or we don't know quite what to do with it. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know the feelings it expresses all too well. We know full well that Jesus says, don't hate. And I teach my children, and you know you teach your children, have taught your children, don't hate. But if we're honest, there's always that neighbor who annoys you. Then there's that coworker you can't stand. Or a boss you just want to tell off. Everybody knows the job situation. You've had a job where you just hate it. 
or the politics at work, or maybe worse, the politics at church that just crawls under your skin. When someone cuts you off on the road, you feel that rage well up. The anger you feel, maybe even the hatred you feel when someone says something rude or negative about your husband, or maybe worse, when they talk about your child. Oh, the mama bear. Don't want to mess with the mama bear. We often nurse affronts, and I know I have, on occasion, verbally assaulted people. Waiting for people to get theirs only so that we could be satisfied. Or the feeling of saying, God, I'm on your side. But the wicked keep winning. And if you're honest with yourself, there are people in circumstances that push you to the brink Where you just want to shout, I, I have complete hatred for them. You may not always say it, but if you're honest with yourself, you feel it. And if the psalmist is honest of his praise for the intimacy to which God knows him, or to which God knows us, and he is honest with his request in verse 19. God, if only you would slay my enemy. I have nothing, nothing but complete hatred for them. And the psalmist has good reason for this. They think this psalm, most people think this psalm is written during the time of exile. Where Israel finds itself as slaves, as exiled people. To Babylon. And so they feel threatened. They feel like they're trying to do the right thing and be the right person. But there's always that one guy. There's always that one lady. There's always that one classmate. Or there's always that system that hovers over them. That just wants to make you pull your hair out. If you had it. I hate you guys right now. <laughs> Thank you. Oh God, slay the wicked. I have nothing but complete. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But here's what the psalmist does. Like we ignore these texts. But if you read the psalms. Psalms are full of this stuff. Because the psalmist knows something. Why this is important. In our praise to God. and our conversation with God. Here's, he knows it's important. One because there's just something Therapeutic. 
There's just something therapeutic by saying it. I wasn't planning on saying this. My wife had this conversation where she'll say, I know I'm not going to do anything about this, and I know I don't really mean this, but I've just got to say it. And once you say it, you just feel a little bit better. But it's not just therapeutic. There's something about saying confessions or these, these, these requests to God, as they do in the Psalms, that reveal to us, once we say it, just how deeply we've been wounded. They allow us to experience and recognize just how deeply we've been wounded. And we could just be honest about it. Because I don't have to know your story, but you're human like I am. And I know all of you, in one way or another, are deeply, deeply wounded. And I'm not even talking about the wounding you do to yourself. I'm talking about all that crud that's dumped on you. The psalmist knows. Here's what the psalms know, and here's what this psalm is doing. It knows that if you keep these feelings in for too long, these feelings condemn you. And so the psalmist trusts that God is big enough, that God is bold enough, that he's honest enough, that he's powerful enough, that he knows you enough, that you can say these words and God can hear it, even when they're words about God. But here's what this does more than anything else. is the psalmist knows when these petitions of just outbursts and anger and hatred and just letting it all out come to God. The psalmist knows more than anything else that the reality of life can be brought into perspective once we just say it. For when the psalmist makes his petition for God to slay his enemies, the psalmist and those who pray his words know that this is something that's probably not going to come to bear. Fire won't come down from heaven. And just as we've often pray, and you know this to be true, We'll pray, God, and we'll pray passionately, and we'll let it all out. And sometimes things don't change, if we're really honest. That annoying neighbor doesn't move, and he doesn't even become less annoying. The coworker you can't stand doesn't get fired or find another job. 
your boss doesn't get told off and you don't get transferred to a different department. The situation in your job that you hate does not change. And the work or church politics that crawls under your skin just can't seem to go away. Bad drivers, bad drivers are not cured of their stupidity. And no matter how ugly it makes them look, people will continue to say rude and mean things to you and those you love. The circumstances and the people we hate do not go away, even when we pray, God, do something! And so the psalmist and us, we're left with this. Search me, God. Test my thoughts. Lead me. For God, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. And night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. God, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God, how precious to me are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains on the sand. Even when I wake, I am still with you. So search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting life. The word of the Lord. Thanks.